Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. We're reading from Romans chapter 5 on page 1132. And we shall read the first 11 verses. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God, Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. As we remain standing, let me pray for us. Our Father, we would indeed ask you to speak to us uh, deeply into the very depths of our being as we think of this restless, tottering world that we live in. We pray you'd give us the security and hope and the assurance of your love that we so crave and need. And we ask it through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Please do sit down. As uh, Ben has so helpfully reminded us uh, through this service today, we think about those who fought and died on our behalf so that freedom could be a reality for us. And it is vital that we continue to remember, for a nation that forgets its past will lose its grip on the future. So we do remember today, with thanks, those who gave their lives and those whose lives were affected forever to bring us freedom. I think of uh, Merville, a D-Day objective, when the drop went wrong, Lieutenant Colonel Otway found his men strung out with few supplies and, and not much in the way of weapons or ammunition. Yet such was their determination to deliver the French from Nazi occupation and protect their men on the landing uh, beaches, that with great heroism they fought in close combat against all the odds to take the battery and neutralise the threat. Most of the men, though, were killed or injured. Freedom was what they fought for and was their hope for us, at great cost to themselves. As we know, many were prepared to to make the ultimate sacrifice. People like Brian Blackhurst... (laughs) Eric Chadwick, Reginald Fox, Ronald Goulden, to name just a few of those from this parish whose names are on the commemorative plaque outside the south door. 
And then there was J.G. Byrne, a flying instructor who died in 1942, aged just 22, and whose gravestone is also by the, the south door. They may be just names to us as we pass by that door, but they were sons, uh, husbands, fathers, and brothers, people who were prepared to die to bring us freedom. Such sacrifice was not an easy thing, but personal sacrifice is at the heart of the Christian gospel. Listen again to these uh, words uh, as I read them from uh, the reading that we had just a little earlier that Dave read for us. Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, the words that are right at the heart of this passage. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here the Apostle Paul says, it is a difficult thing to die for someone else. Some will do that, but it is rare. Some have died for for good people, verse 7. For a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. I guess in in our best moments, we believe we would be prepared to die for our children or our spouse. Until it comes to it, I guess none of us actually know whether we would do it. But verse 7, we might possibly dare to die for a good person. It has been done. And that is an astonishing thing when it is done. Less likely, the first bit of verse 7, is that anyone would dare to die for a righteous person. A righteous person in this context is, is someone who is upright but rather cold and distant. Dying for someone you barely know. In many ways, that's what the people named on the plaque in this church were doing. Dying for people they didn't really know. Dying for a people and a nation and a cause that they believed were worth dying for. We remember today that some have done that. And verse 7 tells us it's a very rare thing. Yes, many people died in conflict, but compared to the amount of people that have ever lived, it is a rare thing when someone does that. But God does something that is even more remarkable verse 8 but God demonstrates his love for us in this in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us but God the contrast is stark human beings can be courageous and generous and loving and this day of all days tells us that human beings often give we may even give sacrificially to those we consider worthy of our affection but God does something that is astounding, almost shocking. Christ died for us, verse 8, while we were still sinners. Or cast your eye down to verse 10, when we were his enemies. Now that is something else. Christ died for his enemies. Now as an aside, this uh, does tell us how the Bible views Jesus Christ. If Ben, who's been leading our service, were to do an act of great kindness for you, I wouldn't then be able to stand here and say that Ben's act of kindness demonstrates my love for you. It may demonstrate his love for you, but it's not a demonstration of my love for you. But when it comes to God, he demonstrates his love for us in Christ dying for us. Christ dying demonstrates God's love because Jesus Christ is God. And he shows his love for us, for us sinners, verse 8, through his death on the cross. He shows his love for those who've rejected him and scorned him and ill-treated him all their lives by dying for us. Here's the thing. 
Christ died for his enemies. And that's what we are because of sin, we are actually God's enemies at war with God. Sin is a hugely misunderstood word. There are some things that almost all people would consider sin. Some of the things that dominate our thinking on a day like today. The mass murder of people because of their race or religion. The destruction of six million Jews. The war crimes of Syria or the Sudan. The indiscriminate terrorism of Nairobi a few weeks back. Acts that cause carnage and devastation to families. I would guess that almost everyone here, if not everyone here, would agree that those things are sinful. And they are. But sin is much more than that. I sin every time I ignore God and his law. So when I lie, I may consider it only to be a little white lie, as we call them, and it may not seem to cause anyone any harm. But every time I lie, I'm rebelling against the God who said, do not lie. Every time I I lie, I'm saying, I don't care what you say, God. I want to live my life my way. I want to make up the rules. You're not going to tell me how to run my life. I want to be God. And so do you see, every time we lie, we're declaring independence and beginning a revolution. We're involved in a cosmic coup d'etat, attempting to overthrow the king. We are declaring war on God and we become his enemies. And it is a terrible thing to live like that. God gave me life. He gave me every breath I take. He gave us this glorious morning. God gives us all the good things we enjoy. And so to say to him, God, get off heaven's throne and let me rule is a terrible thing. And it's that attitude that makes the world such an ugly place. If we're all trying to be God, then we are at some point or another going to be in conflict with others. Jesus says, love your neighbor and pray for your enemies. And we say, I don't want to pray for my enemies and love others. Don't tell me how to live. And because we've all done that, we're all sinners. Turn back with me if you've got your Bible open to chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. In the book of Romans, at this point, at the end of chapter 3, we we see the conclusion of three chapters of writing. And it is the conclusion that we are all those who reject God. Verse 10. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. We can't miss the point. No one does good. No one lives for God. All of us, without exception, have turned away from God. And that is demonstrated in the things that we say. See how it goes on, verse 13. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. See, it's all to do with what comes out of our mouths. Throats, tongues, lips, mouths. What comes out of our mouths really shows the people that we are. Jesus said, out of the mouth comes the overflow of the heart. My words show me what's really in my heart. And I say some terrible things about people. And I say some hurtful things to people. My words are a window into my heart. And so when I listen to myself, I know that swilling around in my heart is much envy and greed and deceit and slander and arrogance and pride. And Well, in short, I'm a sinner. 
And because sin is not just naughty things I do, because it's not just socially unacceptable things, because sin is a crime against heaven and against God, because sin is a declaration of independence, it makes me enemies with God. And that's where chapter 5 and verse 8 is so truly remarkable. Christ died for us when we were sinners, when we were his enemies. That is astounding. Imagine for a moment the person who's caused you most grief in your life. Someone at work who's walked all over you. A next door neighbour who's made your life a misery. Maybe even a family member who's been very cruel to you. The person who's robbed you of something that's very dear to you. Someone who's been abusive to you. Imagine that person. And then ask yourself, am I prepared to die for that one? Then we might begin to grasp the enormity of what we're talking about this morning. I have here a picture of my children. I carry it around in my wallet. If someone did anything to them, I would understandably be heartbroken. It would be almost um, unbelievably difficult for me to meet with someone who hurt my children. I know I'm told in the gospel to forgive someone like that. I'm just holding my hands up and saying, I don't know whether I'd be able to forgive someone who did that. But I can certainly say this. I cannot imagine dying for a person who harmed my children. Yet that is what the God of heaven did for us. We've ignored his son. We've been, had we been born 2,000 years ago, we might well have been the ones who murdered his son. And we are his enemies. Yet, chapter 5, verse 8, God demonstrates his love for us in this, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know the story of Pegasus Bridge on, I believe, D-Day, 6th of June, 1944? The bridge had to be secured at all costs. It was a daring mission of, of glider pilots landing in pitch black and pinpoint accuracy. Men were piloting aircraft, gliders, which would have failed a certificate of airworthiness. Such was their bravery. A friend of mine went to Pegasus Bridge a few years back. While he was there, he met a lady called Madame Gandry. She's a cafe owner who was a little girl during the war. Her parents were resistance operatives under German occupation, and they were frequently taken to local Nazi HQ for interrogation. Madame Gandry told my friend how hard life was under Nazi oppression and how her daddy risked his life to provide safe passage for returning airmen, British airmen who crucially provided information about the bridge, which was important to the success of the D-Day operation. Madame Gandry offered amazing hospitality to my friend and the cadets that he was with. Uh, she uh, invited them into her cafe and her home, was remarkably warm to them, gave them free coffee for as long as they wanted. But to this day, no German person is welcome at Madame Gondry's cafe. She will not serve them. Madame Gondry will not even have those she considers her enemies in her cafe. But God is different. God loves his enemies. Christ died for sinners. Isn't that remarkable? And it proves that God loves us, verse 8. God demonstrates, or better, proves his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Being assured that God loves you is a wonderful thing. 
Yet it seems such an elusive thing for so many people that I speak to. Many people I speak to doubt God's love because of the things that are happening in their lives. If life's going badly for them, they call God's love into question. Suffering illness or redundancy or or the death of a loved one or, or find themselves in a precarious financial situation, they doubt God's love. Some doubt God's love because of the state of the world. During the conflicts we recall today, people whose lives were being swept away and whose countries were being brought under tyrannical rule may well have questioned God's love. Remembrance Day raises questions. How can I believe in a God of love when I see such wickedness in the world? How can I believe in a God when I think of six million Jews or or Kosovo or the the victims of 9-11 or 7-7 or Nairobi? Well, let me say there are no easy answers to those questions. The Bible does grapple with that issue, but there are no easy answers. However, there is one place that we can go to prove God's love. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. God demonstrates, God proves his love for us in this, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he loves us. And as we look at the cross and make it personal, we can know not just that God loves us, but that God loves me. Not just that God is a loving God, but that he loves me personally. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? And you can know it when you look at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for us when we were still sinners. He died for his enemies. And verse 10 If when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? There's the most important thing. God's love achieved something. And it's there in verse 10, the word reconciliation. We're thinking today of death, the death of people achieving something, peace. Right at the heart of the universe, a death, one death, the death of the Lord Jesus. Achieve something. Even though I'm an enemy of God because of the way I've lived, his death achieved reconciliation with God so that I could be at peace with God, no longer at war with God. And his death was necessary for that. You see, God can't ignore the rebellion in his world and we wouldn't want him to. When we see injustice in the world on a day like today, we cry out, why doesn't God do something? God can't ignore rebellion. He can't ignore the rebellion of sin. He must punish it. And because we are sinners, that means he must punish us. But instead he said, no, it must be punished, but I will take the punishment. As Jesus died on the cross, it's as if, if I may put it this way, he threw himself in front of us and took the bullet. That's how much he loves you and me. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We've all benefited from the death of soldiers who've died, soldiers who took the bullet. And today is a day to honour their memory. But as we close, let me ask you, have you benefited? Are you sure you've benefited from the death of the Lord Jesus' sacrifice? Have you, if I may put it this way, asked him to take the bullet? 
so that you know you are at peace with God, reconciled to God, and certain of a future with God beyond the grave. If you've never done that, or if you're not sure that you've ever done that, this Remembrance Sunday would be a wonderful time to be sure that you personally have become a friend of God, to be reconciled to him through his death on the cross, to no longer be independent from him, to say, I don't want to be his enemy. I want to know that I'm his friend and to benefit from the ultimate sacrifice, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Our Father, on this important and special Remembrance Day, we want to thank you for those who've died to bring us peace, who've died that we may stand here enjoying peace today. But we thank you too for the even more remarkable death of the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, the one who died for his enemies, that we may be reconciled to you, our God. We thank you for that death. We thank you for that death which demonstrates your love, which leaves your love unquestionably true. And we pray that each one of us will experience that love in the Lord Jesus' death on the cross, that each one of us will accept that death for us personally, that we may know reconciliation with you, peace with you, and a future that is certain beyond the grave. And we ask it through Christ our Lord. Amen.